0: Look in Matthew chapter 1, and um, so we're going to look at how God gave His gift. I mean, we're not making this up. I mean, the Bible says that the present is is Jesus, the famous verse, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and so Jesus is the gift. And we could say a lot of our gift-giving, though it's a man-made tradition, could be symbolic of God giving a gift. And the gift is, of course, His Son. So we're just going to look at that in Matthew 1, how God gave His gift, and we'll look at some other scriptures. And I have to tell you ahead of time, I'm a little embarrassed, I I have a page of my Bible ripped out, not because I am trying to edit and bring my own Bible version, but... So I have like verse, I'm going to somebody read verse 17 and 18 for me, so all right, I, I can fix it, I just didn't, so. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, so see that long genealogy there, verses 1 to 16, <clears throat> Let's read verses, we'll just read verse 17 to 25, and this is where I need somebody to read out loud here for me. Brother Guy, why don't you read for me, please, for us all, verse 17 and 18, and then I'll just pick up at verse 19. Okay. <clears throat> so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carried way into Babylon are 14 generations that carried away into Babylon unto Christ our 14 generations, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When he, as his mother Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, man, thank you. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and they shall bring forth a son, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus so beautiful you know passage here only several there's just a handful of chapters in the new testament that describe the narrative of the great event of god coming to earth and this is one of them and so we want to look at how God gave his gifts, things that related to how God gave his gift, I should say. My <clears throat> how do you usually uh, present a gift? How many of you put it in a bag? I put it in a bag, yeah? Does anybody else give gifts? How many give gifts in here? All right. So many of us wrap them, all right? All right, wrap them. How many of you, you just have it raw and you stick a bow on it? Any guys like that? How many of you don't wrap it at all? Sometimes I mean, if you ever given a gift and you didn't wrap it at all, Uh uh-huh, yep, most of the guys. So, (laughs) okay, you know, I remember my when my son Gideon was younger. Um, he did this a few times. He gets excited. He bought, you know, he he'd buy a gift and and um, I I think one year he bought one something for me, and he bought it, and it's like you know, end of November, early December. And he wraps it up. He's like, I got you a gift. I got you a gift. like, oh, cool. He goes, Harry, go ahead. Here you go. Unwrap it. You know? He wants me to unwrap it right away. You know? Like, no, bud. You got to wait. No, no. He, I mean, he's so excited about the gift and about wrapping it up. And he's more excited than I am. He wants me to unwrap it. He doesn't care about the date on the calendar. Unwrap it. You know? And uh, no, bud, I got to wait. You know? So it's neat to see him, you know, excited about giving and excited about somebody receiving it and god is like that in a way in that he loves he you know god is god is love the bible says that is his nature to give and and to and he wants us to take and enjoy okay all the gifts in life okay there's gifts in life like eating things and drinking things that are without you know in measure and and being happy about the seasons and things that grow and in and animal life and, and things like that, He wants us to enjoy those right. gifts. He does. He's given us all things richly to enjoy, the Scripture says. And He wants us to um, uh, enjoy and use spiritual gifts. You have a spiritual ability, every one of you, if you're saved. And He wants us to discover it and use it, whether it's teaching or helps or... Um, or some other kind of thing. There's several of them. He wants us to do that. And I think he's excited. It's not like, here you go, have yeah. that. I think God's excited, right, to, that we would take gifts and, of life and of even this moment. Oh, thank you for oxygen, right? He's a God's a gift-giving God. And thank you for that air, God. I was doing that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, thank you for the air for my dad's thing there. You know, my dad shared some of his air with me. <laughs> oh. So, God's a gift-giving God, and the greatest gift is Himself. Okay, so in these scriptures here, we see the way, not just these scriptures, but this one and some others, that God presented His gift. We see the way He did it. It's unique. My dad, one year, a long time ago, he gave my mom a gift and he had it like hidden, I think it was up in the Christmas tree, a little, you know, a ring or a bracelet or something, and it was like, it was like when everybody had unwrapped everything, you know, and he's like, all right, Elaine, you know, I don't know if my mom went and got it or dad, but it was hidden kind of in the, and I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool, I'll have to try that one, you know, I haven't yet, but I need to, and so (laughs) it was in the Christmas tree, and he's like, here you go, Elaine, and mom was touched by it, you know, and and it was precious. And so the way Dad presented the gift was neat. Um, one year, the way they presented a gift for me was really neat. In that we, me and, I think, I don't even think my brother Chance was born. It was just me and my brother Cliff at the time, I think. And uh, or maybe Chance was a baby. But we unwrapped all of our gifts. And there was paper and stuff around us. And, <clears throat> and then Dad's like, hey, there's a note there. There's a note with a string on it. I'm like, what? I look at the note, and it had, follow this string, you know. And so... And it was already messy. I'm like, where? Well, I can't see where the string's going. Well, you just follow the string. And it did, we don't have a big house, but it took me like around the pantry or something and around the pantry and then over to the garage door. Oh, and I opened the garage door and there's a you know, brand new bike in there. That was pretty neat, you know. And it was pretty, what was neat, the gift was neat, but the way it was presented was neat too. Like, that's really neat. And so there's some aspects like that in the whole story of God's greatest gift he could have said here there's Jesus there you go but he he came there's 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 a reason everything's in the bible there's circumstances and descriptions of hey this is there's something valuable to how this is revealed all right so we see in the christmas story we want to take note of how and the way in which God wrapped up and handed over His greatest gift to us. So, what I want to do is kind of like three kind of three observations. We're going to look at, and I don't have any more notes on here. We're going to look at His presentation on how Jesus is presented. We're going to look at His parents, secondly, and then His person. All right, pretty easy little alliteration there. As we think about God giving His gift, the way it's come, the presentation of Jesus, and then His parents the house he lived in and then his person. So number 1 his presentation. This is a well documented gift. Look what it says there. Look at verse 1, chapter 1 verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren and some people are like, "Come on, man. I don't need all these Jewish names, bro." I mean, that's how some people are about their Bible. They may not say it out loud, but that's what they're saying in their brain. Well, this is an important thing. If God didn't do something like this, then people who took things seriously, like took the Bible seriously, would be like, why should I believe this Jesus of Nazareth? Who is he from? They were told to expect him to be from Israel, not just Israel, from Judah, not just Judah, but from the house of David. So if that's what they are told, then let's see it. Show us. Otherwise, we don't care what he does. He's got to be from the right line. And so Matthew being, they think Matthew had more of an angle to the Jews on his gospel. And so he, he emphasizes, this is documented. There it is. There's the whole line from David, narrows it down to David. Mary and Joseph were both from the house of David, so there's this combination there. And then the last of all, verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So what it's doing is, when we think about how God presents His gift, He's saying, hey, this isn't a counterfeit. This is real Gucci here, right? You ever had somebody give you a fake Gucci? a fake Rolex maybe some of you want one I don't care I'll take a fake Gucci look at my Gucci you know you know as long as you stay five feet away you don't want to check out real right look at my Rolex now just stay away just look at it from here some of us don't care if it's fake but here God's saying here's my son I'm presenting him and it's documented this is documented here he's from this line he's God was gonna become a man that is, he already preexisted forever and ever. But he's entering into manhood, and it's going to come in a certain context of family, of, tri- of nation, tribe, and family, and even timing. It's a well-documented gift. This presentation is well-documented. This presentation is well-calculated. It came in the right timing. We're not going to run to Daniel, but we've studied Daniel before. Daniel basically gives a timing of when the Messiah would be cut off. That means when he would die. Now, most people that are casually reading it be like, I don't get it. I never saw that. But a serious person who's, especially in the Old Testament, who read Daniel and say, whoa, 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 he's telling us when Messiah is going to show up. They would have been paying attention. They would have said, we know when he's showing up. At least the window of time. We at least we know when he's going to die. And so I think that's partly why wise men from the East who possibly had exposure, his cult, that culture had exposure to Daniel. paying attention saw that star and showed up that's another story but what I'm saying is when Jesus showed up this presentation this gift God gave it was just in the right time that he said it would it was the right time the Bible says in the fullness of time but when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son think about that thought just for us in our personal life in the fullness of time God's gonna send what I need right in the fullness of time God sent forth for what the world needed in the fullness of time. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So the way God did this is no sloppiness to it, to his lineage, to his genealogy. It was orderly, it was provable, and it was proper. That's his presentation. So that's why we didn't, I mean, that's why we're showing some of this right here in the, these genealogies. Or that he came from that. All right, number two, his parents. Let's think about that. God presents this gift. His son comes to earth. It's all along the lines that he said it would be by way of timing and by way of the family. But then he nestles his son in a unique environment here of these parents. Okay, so let's consider the parents. Mary and Joseph it says there, verse, birth, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as I'm guessing some of the words, because some of it's missing, when as his mother, Mary was espoused to Joseph, So Mary and Joseph, God prepared a couple with such a spiritual virtue between them so that Christ's arrival would not be unfitting to their home. Isn't that interesting? He got a person who's called just. He got a woman who was called, you know, highly favored and described in general as a person of virtue. And he landed his son in that context. Let's look at the integrity of these parents. Mary. Let's look at Mary, a couple things about her integrity. Go to Luke, okay? We're talking about the parents that God put his son under foster parents, Mary in Luke 1 you know these words, let's just read them right from the scripture here um, 26, 27 28 and Mary's cousin was excited because she was going to have a baby in the previous verses and now we see Mary is described as highly favored and a very obedient person Luke 1 26, 27, 28, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And, verse 28, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, God's showing favor to her. She is a virgin. God's showing favor to her. You're blessed. You're favored. And then in response, she also says, "Um, let's look at verse, no, I'm sorry. Let's look at verse 20, 35. The angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. She says, how shall these things be? I don't know any man. She said, he answers, the angel, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing, holy things referring to body, not person, right. that holy thing. That's why it's in a general, it's called a neuter, neutral, neutral tense in the Greek. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also conceiveth the Son in her old age, and she is and this is the sixth month with her who was, who was barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Then verse 38, this is what I want you to see. And Mary said, behold, this handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. My point in all this is to show you that, you know, God sent His Son into the world and He put her, Him in this house of this virgin. She had to be a virgin to give birth but also that she's an obedient type of a person. She's yielding. Okay. Be it unto me according to that word. It's kind of like saying, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 just, it's a, full, a statement full of faith. It's like, it's like uh, let me see here. Matthew. It's like me saying, hey, Matthew, I'm going to teach you to dunk on a 12-foot rim. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And Matthew goes, you got it, Pastor. All right, then. And he says it sincerely. I'd be like, dude, that guy's got a lot of faith in me. And that's kind of what the astoundedness here of Mary is. All right, okay. I'm a virgin. I'm gonna have a baby. All right, then. And I'm gonna have the Messiah. Okay. Be it unto me according to thy word, Matthew. I won't be able to teach you that. Yeah. I'm just showing you the simple but amazing faith that she has. Okay. So it's uh, Mary. Nothing complicated, just pure and yielded character to God. Now Joseph, back in Matthew, his parents, again, we looked at the presentation, we looked at his parents, Mary, and the second parent, Joseph, it says here, he was a just man, verse 19, when he found out his wife was pregnant, didn't know how it happened. I mean, he made an assumption, but verse 19, Joseph... Her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So here's Joseph. We get a picture of Jesus' earthly father, the foster father. God was his father from eternity. But the foster father, Joseph, hears that, oh, my beautiful, sweet, espoused wife, they haven't come together. It wasn't official marriage yet. We're engaged. She's pregnant. I don't know how he heard. Maybe somebody said it or she said it and ran away. I don't know. But he heard she's pregnant. And Now, the, the standard thing would be, you know, well, she's been unfaithful, so you can make a – it was all legal if you wanted to make a public example of somebody who was unfaithful to you. And there would be a punishment. Some, I think it was a stoning. You could just go, all right, and he could just follow the – but he was, very, he was very measured in his response. This is what I want you to see, Joseph. He was measured. He's Not flying, shooting from the hip. And it says the next verse, he thought on these things. That's a good idea for us guys. I tell you what, my adrenaline doesn't think. It just fires. I'm like, hmm. When I have something that's outrageous that happened or unjust that happens, I'm ready, I'm ready to respond. And maybe I need to respond in the way I think, but I should probably wait a little longer before I do it. Joseph is waiting. He's like, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? And it's a good thing he waited. And it was of God. Because while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord says, ah, let me tell you the inside story. And shows up, he says, Now now the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, verse 20, in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of, the Holy Ghost, it's not of men. That which is conceived, the th- thing there. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And so he accepted that. He did, verse 24, he, raised, he was raised from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife. He didn't know her. He knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. He called his name Jesus just like he was told to. So here's jo- what about Joseph? He's a just man. He reacted with integrity even when he misunderstood the person. Even when he misunderstood. He didn't go shooting off at the hip. The Bible talks about this. Proverbs 16.32, He that's slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. It's good to be slow on some things. I wish I was faster at running. I wish I was faster at my. Re- I'm, as I'm getting older, some of my reactions are a little slower. But one thing that's always good to be slow at is anger. It's not that anger is sin. It's just be slow at it. Um, so he did as the Lord bidden him. The fact is, like Mary and Joseph, God has special privileges for us. He would, I think, he would endow us with. I think the Bible does talk about the fact that. Um, you know, the, the Bible says, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat of the fruit of, the, of their doings. God purposely chose to put his son in a good home, in a righteous home. I want to have a righteous home. I want to have righteous character because I want God's blessing. I want that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I want to please the Lord. And I think that's, you see an aspect of that here. So his parents, and then the last thing, the second thing or the third thing is his person. So he's presenting his gift, which is, you know, in this way, uh, well documented and under these parents, but let's look at the person, the gift itself. It's kind of like, have you ever gotten have you ever gotten a nice this happens. Okay, so charity, the other day, so we're having this problem. You can probably guess what I'm gonna say with charity, right? Tell me what I'm gonna tell you. What am I gonna tell you about charity and gifts? Huh? Ice cream, she does like ice cream. She's learning to say more candy words, too. Candy's going to help us teach her how to speak. No, the problem is, is the Christmas tree so beautiful, and there's gifts under it that are well wrapped by my wife. She likes them. Oh, and she's grabbing the beads. She wants to grab the ornaments, and she's getting the gifts and walking over and showing me. And I'm like, Charity, come here. And she goes, that's how she runs. She runs so funny, man. When she runs, I love it. It looks so cute. She runs off with the little gift. Like, Come on back here. And now I have to be more. When I go to talk to her, I wipe that smile off my face. All right, all right. Don't, don't look at me that way. You know I feel that way. I have to. But stop. Don't do that. I really can communicate through my eyes. So, I, Charity, don't run off with that. But she likes grabbing them. It's almost like she just likes the the paper the gifts and and. Um, so sometimes it's like that. Whoa! Look at this wrapping paper. Look at this glossy and glitterly, and glitter and the bow, and you know something else. You're like, well, yeah, that's nice, but what matters is what. Yes. And so Jesus had very basic wrapping. Uh, he was wrapped in the context of Jewish culture, Jewish uh, body and appearance, nothing fancy. Himself, probably average height, average look. But the content of his, his person is unparalleled. There's no person like him. So let's look at his person. His person, um, the nature, first of all, let's consider the nature of his birth as it relates to his person. Again, it's from a virgin. Look what it says, verse 20. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord said, Fear not to take unto thee thy wife Mary. Verse 21, that she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 23, I'm sorry, I'm moving along. It was done so that it, the scripture would be fulfilled. A virgin shall be with child. A virgin shall be with child. Virgins don't give birth. Virgins don't give birth. But the Bible says it would happen. And so what did she conceive? What, did she, what was conceived in her? A holy thing. A body. That's what it was. Not a person, right? The person already existed. So, a body was conceived, a holy thing, and He occupied that sinless body. God somehow sanctified the womb, sanctified all that, and created a sinless body. The Holy Ghost produced that. So, the person of God... So, what happens is, Christ, the eternal Son, took upon Him this body. He assumed existence in the flesh. This is the mystery of godliness. It was the person of God in the body of flesh... Muslims are offended at this thought. God coming a man. They're offended at it. I mean, do you know that? And so, but we say, I think there was a guy I saw, he was a Muslim that became a Christian. He was debating, and part of the nature of his debate with a Muslim who was objecting, he says, Can't God do everything? Yeah. That was his main point. He, he, he knew the Quran, and he was quoting the Quran. He says, Your Quran says, you know, God basically is being God can do anything and show himself any way. And he quoted that to this Muslim he says so your Quran says it. can't can't God do anything then? Yeah. Then do you think God could become a man can contain himself to time and space? And that that man wouldn't answer that because it's, you know, and it's true. God, but it, but it's also amazing. Great is the mystery of godliness. Isn't it and isn't it amazing? I, think, I mean, we're sitting here contained on this earth with our little blue bubble around us and the sky and atmosphere. And then it's just like, we're less than a speck of dust. And is God, isn't God bigger than the universe itself? And yet, he yeah, contains himself. That's beautiful. That's what happens. So that's His person, an eternal person. An eternal person coming through a virgin birth containing himself to time and space, taking on human uh, flesh. So the nature of his work, he shall save his people from their sins. What will he be doing? Saving his, save his people from their sins. Verse 21. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It, it, that's amazing because think about that statement. So Joseph and Mary, oh, Wow, we're going to be parents of the Messiah. Yes, you're favored. And that which is conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be born. That's the New Testament way of saying Joshua. Joshua is a statement. It's not just a name. It says, the Lord saves. The Lord is the Savior. So they're saying a, the Greek or the new, we'd say the in Greek, the Greek word, the Lord saves. His name is the Lord saves. And so most Jews, their immediate thing was, that's right, we're tired of this administration, Rome. Get them out of here. We need somebody to save us from Rome, because they weren't, they weren't autonomous. This wasn't an autonomous nation. So they're thinking politically, most people, save us from Rome. Where's Messiah? Anointed one. Be the great grand leader that we need and be our king. Because we're under the chains of Rome and taxation of Rome, and we keep seeing Caesar's face on our coins. Blech. You know, that's how it was. And so the angels tells Joseph, no, well, when he comes, his name's going to be the Lord saves because he's going to save his people from their sins. He didn't even say anything about Rome, anything about a palace in Jerusalem and rainy He didn't say that. That's supposed to come. But the emphasis on this first advent, this first coming is sin, not politics. It's the chains of our sin not the chains of a political uh, constraint. That's one thing we got to remember as a typical American. Our biggest problem in America is not our political issues. It's our spiritual issues. That's our biggest problem. And, you know, you fix the spiritual issues, it'll get expressed in a positive way through the politics eventually. That's going to take a miracle of revival for that to happen. But again, people's biggest problems is not that they vote Democrat. That's just the symptom of godless values. I'm sorry. Or a uh, liberal something else. It's a symptom of, you know, something else inside. And so my biggest problem is spiritual. And so I need the Savior. I need the Lord to save me and lead me just like anybody else. So here, that's the nature of his work. His names, we'll just, well, we'll start winding this down. What is he called? Jesus' Savior. Look what it says. He shall bring forth the Son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. There probably were other men. We know there were other people who went by that name in that day. Did you hear what I just said? It'd be like saying Mike, Michael, that's a common name, John. It was a common name, the Greek form of Joshua or Jesus. But the angel says, but this one's going to do it. He will save. He will be a savior. Um. Okay, so His names are Jesus. His name is uh, Savior. You know the Bible says, the Lord says, I am the Lord beside me. There is no Savior. He, Isaiah 43, 11, I am the Lord. The Old Testament. I am the Lord. Beside me there is no Savior. Here's a Savior. Well, then that's Him. That's His Son. He says, Hosea 13, 4. Yet I am the Lord. Thy God from the land of Egypt, thou shalt know. No God but me. There is no Savior beside me. Oh. So if He's called Savior indeed, then He's God and He's Savior. Equal with God the Father. And then He's called Emmanuel. Look at verse 23. Emmanuel. We sing that. I like it. God with us. Man at the beginning of the word. E-L is the Hebrew for God. Emmanuel, God with us, his name simply tells us that the Almighty Eternal God has lowered himself down to this earth in the person of his son, stepped into human flesh in order to make himself plain and known to our finite minds. I want to use, some of us. I don't know if you're following us, but just it's just a matter of fact. There have been thousands of books written on this thought. God came to earth. Um, John even says, you know, that the about how that it would be hard to, to write all the books that could describe what he's done or is. The word, John 1.14, in the beginning was, or the word was made flesh. Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. God was manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily, Colossians 2.9. God in the flesh has been so profound that people just keep writing about is Isn't that amazing? Isn't, I mean, for 600 years at least, I know in the Reformation they were doing a lot of that. Martin Luther said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ, that He sunk Himself into our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. But it happened. I, you know, I... Um, It's neat that, I mean, it's, there's so many things we could, there's so many messages you could preach just on thinking about the fact that God became a man, God became a man, let alone everything that Jesus taught, right? Isn't that neat, though? Like It's like, uh, what was I thinking of the other day? Wouldn't it be neat to have like a, maybe like a, I don't know, a president. Maybe the one you like, okay, a president you like. Come and kind of go to you with just put on normal clothes like you and go with you to work. Wouldn't that be neat to have that? Maybe you want to show one of them, hey, I want to show you what it's like, Mr. Boom, uh, coming to me with work. That's so what it's like. See my, see these taxes coming out? Okay, no, I don't mean it in that way, but I mean like have somebody, some dignity come down and clothe themselves like you and just, hey, drive with me. Yeah, drive me to work. Yeah, let's go eat with me and kind of see my common life and see how they act. How they respond. Wouldn't that be neat to, to do? Something like that. I think that'd be neat. And that's what God did. Jesus came down to be the common man. And He didn't act all stuffy like, where's my caviar? You know, He didn't act all stuffy. He was very common man-ish. Right? But He did that. So here's, here's what an old Scottish preacher of the 1600s, Henry uh, Skogel, said. God hath long, he said it in his accent, God hath long contended with a stubborn world and thrown down many a blessing upon them. And when all other gifts could not prevail, he at last made a gift of himself. Yeah, let's see this picture. Can you show me that picture, Iden? I showed this in Bible class. Um. Sunday school class. We were talking about it from another angle. So uh, Queen Elizabeth right here and her parents. I don't remember her mom's name. Here's her sister, and then her dad, who became uh, titled King George the Sixth. You know, after his brother, who was king for probably a year or less, abdicated the throne. Um, so this guy, was a, this is an interesting person. Again, they didn't have a lot of actual political sway. And they don't say, because they were phasing out of that in the last 100, 200 years or so. Um, but I like this, this a couple things of, that I found about them. So they had to be, he and his wife were in, I mean, the early first several years of being king and queen is when World War II broke out. And World War II, of course, Hitler began to bomb. He's going all over Europe, and he bombed in England and London. And they lived in Buckingham Palace. And Buckingham Palace was bombed, and they were there when it happened. Not the whole thing, but I think a big courtyard area or something. And they were there when it happened. And one of the things is that um, they... They had, he had staff and people in their politics that said, hey, we're going to take you all to Canada. You're We've got a place for you to stay. We're going to go across the pond, Atlantic, give you a place, and we're going to let you stay. And they said, no, we're going to stay. We're going to stay because they saw the people in England um, suffering and on edge. Remember, what's those shirts keep calm and something? What do those shirts carry on? Is that what it is? I think that started at that time in England. That was an English thing. You know, I think they put it on, I don't know. But that, I believe that started right in that context because they're trying to get everybody just to just calm down. Never mind the bombs blowing up around. You just, <laughs> they're trying to create, they're trying to tone down the frenzy. So they stayed in London. They stayed in that vicinity. Um, I think they may have had a bunker or something at times, but they did, they wanted to be seen too among the people, not for adoration and all this stuff. They wanted to go visit the common people of a business was blown up or some other area, a school, and they, they wanted to go there and see what it was like. And they did that. And uh, uh, It one of the things, too, they did was there was rationing in this country, in this country at the time, you know, rationing of water, <laughs> You know, how much you're gonna use when you wash, how much you use when you wash yourself, and what you consume, rationing of food, all that. They voluntarily got on board the rationing. It's like, all right, we're gonna you know, the girls and we're gonna limit our food then. We're gonna limit our tea. Ooh, that's a big one, right? And our bath and the mouth they they did that. They got on board with that during that time. But the other thing was that I liked was that he, he, again, they would go down and there was one time, and this is what I'm trying to lead you to this thought, there was one time where he went to an area that was bombed. And I'm to see if I can get the exact quote. Uh, he, he went to an area that was a bombed out section of London after an air raid. And while walking through the rubble entanglement. Uh, an elderly, elderly man came up to King George the sixth, and said, he was looking at him, he said, you? You? He said, you here in the midst of this? He said, you are indeed a good king. You're a good king. And that was one thing for that time they became known for, that they're going to be with the people. And that's think about that. Think about that with us. That's exactly what happened with God confining himself and being in the midst of us with this. Yeah, he's a good king. He's a good God. He's a good savior. And that's what we need to remember today.